0: Hello and welcome to the African Tech Roundup. This is episode 26 for the week ending Monday, 12 October 2015. Now, as always, we'll be rounding up the week's most important technology, digital and innovation news from across the African continent. My name is Andile Masugo and with me, as always, is my co-host on the show, defo how's it dude i'm
1: good and you back how was it
0: ah it was restful relaxed the weather was amazing back in this heat wave though
1: that's crazy hot man
0: you were busy this week i have to say uh checking out your your moves there on social tech for africa
1: yeah it was quite quite good to speak at tech for africa and share about the work we did with report xenophobia and it was well received
0: good stuff well listen if you're joining us for the first time it's about time Now head over to africantechroundup.com and
1: catch up on what you've
0: been missing. While you're there, by the way, sign up for our weekly newsletter and get the podcast sent straight to your inbox every Monday.
1: And of course, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at African Roundup. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup. And check out some of our photos on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash African Roundup. Give us a shout and let us know what's up.
0: And a little later on in this week's discussion, we'll be unpacking a an interesting talk that you encountered at Tech for
1: Africa. Yeah, definitely. A talk by Nick Haramboulos or Nick Harry, as he's popularly known, talking giving some very valuable startup advice. But we'll unpack that later.
0: Yes, indeed. First, in our sponsor slot this week, uh, we thought it might be a good idea to let y'all in on some of the cool stuff the team here at the African Tech Roundup has coming up over the next few weeks and months. Uh, well, let's start with you, Therefore, You've been busy this week and you, you clearly will be busy for a while still. You'll be speaking and facilitating a discussion at the Tamombeki uh, African Leadership Institute soon, yes?
1: Yeah, on the 16th and 17th of October. Uh, I mean, this is an inaugural alumni leadership conference, so it's it's quite an honor.
0: And you get to have dinner with Tamo Mbeke himself.
1: Hey, um, I'll be like a groupie.
0: How so How so <laughs> Cheers, sir. Well, listen, um, that's not all, folks. Um, our content producer, the enigma that is Peter B. Left. he's heading off to Dubai later this month for Gitex Technology Week 2015.
1: He'll be bringing us extensive coverage of one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, ICT conference in the Middle East and Africa. We hope to get some great news coming out of there. Uh,
0: Then, of course, I'm speaking at the U.S. Embassy in Arara's Food for Thought series on Tuesday, November 10th. And I'll be presenting on the topic, living and working at the intersection of broadcasting and entrepreneurship. I'm really looking forward to that. That
1: sounds great, but I'm more looking forward to what our technical producer, the very talented Brian Lupia, will be doing Towards the end of November.
0: Yes, Dow. Listen, you all might not know this. Uh, some of you do, certainly, because Brian's got skills that uh, have been witnessed by many. Brian is a hugely talented music producer. He's Korg endorsed, Korg, of course, being one of the world's premier. Keyboard brands, and um, he's an incredible vocalist who goes by the stage name Music Kid.
1: Crazy name. You know, these millennials.
0: I, these millennials, man. These millennials. Listen, though, A Night with Music Kid is what Brian's got planned, and it's the John Legend edition at Trump's Grill House on Nelson Mandela Square on the evening of Saturday, the 28th of November. It's, it's one not to miss. Can't wait.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely be there.
0: And I'm not going to even take personally that you said you'd look forward to that more than you would my talk, but
1: that's fine. Come on.
0: I won't be sensitive. I, <laughs> I won't be sensitive like that the second last thing of course a brand new season of the African Tech Conversation Series will be out in November the first Wednesday in November which I believe will be November the 4th can't wait five amazing interviews with innovators from our very own African ecosystem
1: and yeah you all should definitely tune in
0: and of course finally there's something in the works that hasn't quite come together completely but uh, we have planned a live event uh, a round of sorts and we can't say much about it right now but we're really excited about that that should also be happening Around about the end of November, we'll keep you posted right here.
1: You'll get to hang out with us live, but with other more intelligent people than ourselves.
0: But we'll definitely keep you abreast of developments as and when. Now, before we get into today's news, uh, take a listen to this audio comment from one of our Kenyan listeners. I'm
2: Kevin Kamau from Nairobi, Kenya. I'm an IT consultant and a specialize in unified communications. I also observe and comment how technology is impacting various industries here in Kenya, in Africa, and beyond i want to highlight a few things on the state of uber in nairobi so first of all i do want to say that um since uber introduced uh, the use of M-Pesa and cash payments uh, the adoption rate has really increased since primarily most kenyans don't have credit cards so it was hard for them to pay like i remember the early days of uber i'd recommend it to people share my voucher code with them so that they get their first riders free but most of them would call me back and say, "Hey Kevin, uh, thank you for this app you've recommended to me, but I can't use it since I don't have credit card information and it requires me to enter that." So yeah, credit card was quite a bottleneck for most Kenyans. Secondly, is uh, uh Ubers are quite cheaper than the local taxis, so this drives adoption rate. As most guys can, uh, once you start using an Uber, like you can never go back then their cars are quite newish and uh, they pass through all the rigorous tests for the public service vehicle we call it psv here then again their drivers are quite decent you can hold steady conversations with them and they are helpful uh, more than the traditional drivers lastly is the fact that uber makes uh, direct payments as tax to the government's revenue authority so this makes it Uh, have goodwill and the support of the government, as the government has an easy and convenient way of collecting taxes, which traditionally wouldn't be possible in the local taxes.
1: Now, if you'd like us to include your audio comment on any of the topics we've covered previously in any of our podcasts, you can email us using hello at africantechroundup.com or give us a shout on facebook.com forward slash africantechroundup. Or hit us up on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup. Or you can also just go on by commenting on our website, africantechroundup.com. We'll get right back to you. Now, let's get straight to the news.
0: First up, an update on the Altec Node uh, video-on-demand device, which South African tech firm Altron has recently pulled the plug on. Now, this past week, Altron disclosed that in the six months ending August 2015, the Altec node brought in an estimated $75,500 in revenue, which doesn't sound bad uh, until you hear what it is they lost. Uh, (laughs) They reported negative earnings before interest tax, depreciation and amortization of over $5.6 U.S. million.
1: Come on, own up, guys. Who bought this thing? I don't think they did. I
0: think uh, they tried to sell it and eventually just decided to wind it down.
1: But Who bought the devices? Who fell for this thing?
0: You, you, you're wondering who actually bought this device to start with.
1: Yeah, because a business, I don't think anybody would buy the business, but who bought the device?
0: Well, good news for whoever did, because <laughs> if you did and subscribed to the service, you should get back from Altec uh, or from Altron 1,999 Rand. Well, next, what would the show be without internet news? <clears throat> I mean, Facebook News. Isn't that the same thing, kind of?
1: Internet.org, free basics, free internet, Facebook, all interchangeable.
0: Well, anyway, New York Stock Exchange listed high-tech communications firm Utilsat is partnering with Facebook to use the entire broadband payload on Spacecom's future AMOS-6 satellite to build a dedicated system comprising satellite capacity, gateways, and terminals. Ooh, sounds very fancy.
1: Yes, and they say that they're looking to launch this in the second half of 2016 and looking to cover large parts of what West, East, and Southern Africa. But more interesting is that it's optimized or the capacity on the Cape band payload of the AMOS-6 geostationary satellite is optimized for community and direct-to-user internet access.
0: Now, Utilsat and Facebook have agreed to share capacity, but uh, we'll be using that capacity for different reasons.
1: Facebook is looking to use the capacity more for their free basics, formerly known as internet.org platform, where areas Utilsat is probably going to use this for commercial reasons.
0: Uh, As it turns out, Utilsat is establishing a new company based in london that will basically steer its african broadband business on
1: the facebook side i mean this is a better proposition i think than the balloons and drones that they were talking about because we're talking satellites and they can already put this up and have capacity immediately where areas with the drones and balloons it would probably take some time
0: certainly technologies that have been tried and tested as opposed to experimental things still don't quite know how well they work. Well, to Zimbabwe now, where the country's largest mobile network operator, Econet, is continuing its legal bid to overturn a directive by the Zimbabwean telecommunications regulator. Basically, this directive was set up to lower voice tariffs uh, for mobile companies.
1: Yes, and that's good for customers, because that means uh, customers pay less. But what I don't understand is Econet arguing and saying that the lowering of tariffs has made their business uh, much more unsustainable because it's led to them having to retrench workers. You can't blame policy makers for you not having enough clients, or how does this work?
0: Well, the Posts and Telecommunications Regulatory Authority of Zimbabwe, Portra, continues to maintain that disruptors like WhatsApp, Viber, and Facebook are probably more likely responsible for any revenue loss, if any. Econet has chosen to ride on this, and um, they have an ongoing program to retrench uh, a reported 100 workers. Workers who, by the way, are being offered shares in Econet as part of the severance if they walk away with making a squeak
1: i still don't get how this works so i can't afford to keep you but i can afford to give you my shares so how much are those shares worth again
0: i'm not sure well they, they're at least worth they're at least calculated in us dollars so stop laughing like that
1: <laughs> all i have in my mind is that hundred million hundred million trillion
0: oh stop it moving moving right along <laughs> staying with econet though a recent blog my my zoom people are coming for you right anyway so we're staying with econet Staying with Econet, a recent blog post from uh, Econet's vocal chairman, Strive Masiwa, is making waves in the Nigerian mobile network community. This guy has certainly made a splash this week.
1: Again, it's it's similar to the, the previous story where Econet is accusing uh, Potrez of making policies that are making their business unsustainable. In this case, the the gist of what I get or, or from uh, Mr. Masiwa's uh, blog post is that uh, they were the first... Uh, GSM operator in Nigeria in two thousand and one. As he states he made the first call GSM call in Nigeria as Econet in Nigeria in two thousand and one. Along came other operators who somehow outmaneuvered them and got contract signed, got all sorts of licenses signed and he's blaming all that on alleged, alleged bribery because we don't have proof on from the other side For on alleged bribery that's forced them he says to leave the market for me that sounds again like somebody who, the mentality seems to transfer from the one in Zimbabwe where he says Potres is forcing them out of the market in this case he's saying other parties why is it always external people forcing Econet out of the market isn't there some portion of the blame that they must accept in terms of not having enough clients
0: well look as a fan of this man and everything he's achieved. He's certainly become the beacon of the, the anti-corruption, I, w- I don't want to call it agenda, but certainly the anti-corruption lobby that we're, that's becoming really popular on, on the continent. And I mean, Later on in his blog, he quotes scripture, and he, he, quote, you know, basically, he basically speaks on his faith, and, and the fact that it, due to his integrity and his team's integrity, um, he would not be willing to, to make decisions that would profit him in the long term at the expense of his conscience. There's no way to prove this one way or another. He He does claim, however, that he's he's uh you know taken up you know these claims with with people who might be able to look into them
1: yeah and he also states that in 2003 and the story is to be continued he wrote to the united states department of justice which i don't understand why he had to include them.
0: that's kind of like when you were a kid right and you, you and your brother had a fight and then like he got to <laughs> and you tell mom and you're like yeah, I, I, i'm going you know i don't know listen uh, it does make for good reading i have to say and if it's a if it's a true story it it is an inspiring one i guess
1: yeah definitely i mean look bribing let's be clear bribing if it is true in this case is wrong i mean that's that's not the way you do business it's unsustainable anyway but i just have a problem with the mentality where this is the second story this week where he's blaming external parties for the failure or the lack of success of his of econet lately on everybody else but econet
0: well, to be fair, to this particular story firstly it 's part one, and I think he's, he's i do 't know where he 's taking this with, with his story but he certainly has us hooked we'll wait him for the next episode um, i, I don 't know what his, what point he is making i I do imagine that he might be leading us to a conclusion that suggests that you don't have to do these things in order to succeed i don't know maybe
1: maybe but from what i conclude from both these stories on econet they're not in a good space at the moment
0: i know you well enough my friend defo doesn't like whiners
1: nah i don't
0: okay well here's the hoping part two kind of kind of sets it straight because i'm rooting for this for this story to end well now to south africa where telecom's giant telecom is being criticized for yet another mumish. ish this time it's, it's being alleged that uh, the telecom website is exposing customer personal details, including ID numbers, contact details, marital status, home address, what you had for breakfast, oh my word.
1: Yeah, I mean, my broadband, to give them credit, found this error whilst they were doing investigations and research and found that when you are ordering online a new telecom product, any telecom product, and it brought up a form for you to fill in your details, it would bring up somebody else's details. Okay,
0: so you don't even need to hack this company for them to give up personal information of their customers. Hackers are probably going, ah, ah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, ah, you telecom, you're taking our job
0: we are taking our job, man. Taking our job. Anyway, listen. I feel a little sorry for Talcom because I mean, um, uh, like many parastatals in the country, they're often rightfully criticised for not being run very well. But you know, uh, again, this you know stories like this just don't help.
1: Nah, no, this is embarrassing. I mean, it, it speaks to many things. Where is the quality and assurance in developing the software solutions? Where's the piloting, where's the testing, where's where's all those levels of checks and balances in before they go live with software solutions.
0: They can't even get a little JavaScript right. What what else are they getting wrong I guess?
1: Yeah, we'll see. And remember this is not the first time. I mean we had another issue with Telcom using a man in the middle and tech to show you your data usage on the ADSL product.
0: I probably didn't even know they were doing something wrong then either. Shucks, poor guys.
1: Well, that means then it talks to the level of people they're hiring in very key positions.
0: Shame. Anyway, look, uh, now for some consumer tech-focused tidbits uh, to end our new segment. Uh, Bitex launched its Bitcoin wallet this week. How excited are you? happy. Uh,
1: Still, I don't think it's mainstream yet as a currency, so until micropayments are sorted out, so until I can spend 10 rands or 1 US dollar or 10 US cents on items. I don't I still think it's not there yet because um, I mean Bitcoin what is it now it's falling around about 3000 rents approximately somewhere there.
0: Well they're calling their wallet's not just another Bitcoin wallet. Listen if you're using it out there if you're a client of the service please let us know how it's working uh, and if it's adding any sort of ease to your your regular purchases online. I uh, would love to know about it. By the way, the the first iterations only available for Android users, the iOS version has, has been promised to follow soon. For our second consumer-focused tidbit, MTN Zambia has launched what they're calling Southern Africa's first ever WhatsApp-based customer service in the telecom industry.
1: Ah, uh, This is like me grabbing media headlines. I mean, uh, one, are they really the first ever WhatsApp-based customer service? I guess in the telecoms industry, but I don't think it's even a headline, something to write home about.
0: Look, I mean, Standard Bank uh, launched in South Africa that virtual banking situation using WeChat and they called that the first in the banking industry. What I'm not so sure about is why so many companies keep saying that this move makes their support centers faster. I mean... Just because you've got instant messaging doesn't necessarily mean that people who use it get instant responses.
1: Even better, you might get instant response acknowledging your message, but the issue here is you want instant resolution.
0: Our friends out in Zambia, please let us know whether or not uh, this is in fact an innovation that should be celebrated. And if it is, listen, let us know. Let us know if it's something that we should demand from our local uh, mobile operators here in South Africa, for example. Our third and final tidbit would be Barclays, Kenya, uh, starting to offer customers. Customers free Wi-Fi in select Nairobi branches.
1: That's all good, but I'm trying to see from a user experience point of view how this works. I go to the bank to get free Wi-Fi.
0: Something you actually want to avoid doing in the first place, I guess, going to a branch. Anyway, carry on
1: it would make better sense to give me free Wi-Fi or free internet at home so that I can do my banking.
0: Kenyans, <laughs> how excited are you to be sitting in the bank uh, with <laughs> with free Wi-Fi? And doing your banking. Perhaps maybe going to the bank is still a thing, you know, in Kenya. Let us know. Defo, intro our discussion for the week.
1: Yes, I mean, I was at uh, Tech for Africa, one of the largest tech conferences across uh, across the continent, and a very important uh, I thought uh, keynote address by Nicaramboulos, or popularly known is nick harry of nick harry style who sells initially started selling designer socks for men and now does pocket squares and all sorts of accessories for men but the talk wasn't more around style it was more about being a startup founder and the journey and some of the things he's learned along the way and the opening comment was quite uh, hard hitting and something that resonates and i think not many people realize and he said that i believe everyone who starts a business is a bit broken do you agree
0: I don't know about broken. I do think about, I do think maybe quirky, unusual, strange. Broken implies <laughs> some hectic emotional issues, bro.
1: But 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 okay, let's think about it. You going out there, leaving comfort, as some people call it, where you could get a job, a paycheck every twenty five days, and etc. And you saying, "I'm going out there, and I'm gonna start." The first six months was zero, and I'm gonna change the world because I believe this idea I've got is gonna make a huge impact on the world. Blah blah blah, and all you have is a team of one, which is yourself, and you still have to convince people. That sounds a bit broken to me.
0: Look, I've heard people go as far. I think it was Mark Cuban. I, I watched an interview with him where he literally compared the the startup mentality being a serial killer like that that outside of the norm, you know. So i've I've heard I've heard this extreme view. I can accept though that um, entrepreneurs being one. Um, Uh, Startup founders especially uh, Tend to not see the world The way other people do And to that extent Perhaps they've got Broken brains (laughs) Or perhaps Just wired differently Maybe
1: Yeah perhaps the correct term As you say Is wired differently
0: Well well, Nick certainly thinks so So what else did he say In his talk
1: Yeah I mean the, The other important theme That came out Was that everything Is difficult especially in starting up in tech startups as well. I mean, actually software development or technology in general, doing that, that's easy. That's the easy part. Building a business is hard. Succeeding is hard, definitely. Selling a company is even harder. That was one of the main themes. But he added that even though everything is more difficult, he loves his life more unlike when he was employed because he's doing something he loves.
0: A YouTube video I watched actually sort of brought that home this week uh, where a person was speaking about how all the technology we have at our disposal gives us the impression that things are easy. YouTube is free, so creating a business around a YouTube channel should be easy. No, no, it's not. It's a lot It's a lot harder. Um, being able to sort of record yourself on a smartphone and share it on a social media platform is easy. You know, mine, one might argue. But turning that into a successful community or network, you know, information network is really hard and, and I think that's the danger a lot of people fall into when they buy into this romantic notion of being a startup, the idea that we've got all these tools at our disposal that can make things happen really quickly and really easier than ever before.
1: Definitely, I mean it's, it's, it's very difficult and I think that, that follows on to the next point that he mentioned which is something I fully agree with and that is grit. Grit is what matters in, in a startup founder. He said that that's something he values as well most in business or in people doing business and that you need to be resilient enough to push through because as you just elaborated it is tough it's not as easy as most people romanticize it to be
0: yeah you could visit his site and see all the socks he has on sale and think how hard could it possibly be to build a successful business around socks i mean just make a couple of socks create some styles hire some designers make something cool pop it on the internet and it should blow up and clearly (laughs) there's a lot more to it than that
1: No definitely I mean he put up a slide of the roles he plays within his business at it's only two and a half years old I mean he plays the role of being the SEO optimizer guy he plays a role of the tech guy the CTO he's the finance guy he's it's like a full page of roles he plays and that's something that most uh, startup founders can relate to because in the early days, even at two and a half years old, with or without funding, you still play a lot of roles because you're still f- trying to figure out a business model or an identity for your business.
0: I uh, know this is something you told me he, he said or talked about uh, this idea of traction, how to define traction. And we've had these debates in the past re- regarding startups and uh, how to define whether a startups actually succeeding or not and he, he's got a very simple definition for attraction is in his in his case yeah
1: yeah simple traction equals sales
0: so in his mind he's gaining traction if he's selling more socks today than he did the day before
1: definitely and that makes sense and i think if you focus on that we've discussed this before in the podcast if you focus on that as a startup and that's the mentality you carry into the startups it will ease some of the burden
0: It's such a great business to sort of analyze the whole startup mindset with because, uh, again, in some maybe more developed uh, you know startup communities or ecosystems, traction might be defined by how many people thought my socks were cool and not necessarily how many people actually bought them.
1: Yeah, there's only one Silicon Valley, dude. All
0: right, so round us off with uh, one or two more.
1: Yeah, the last one is focus, which is another very important uh, skill that a startup founder needs to have. You see too many guys having too many things going at once even within one startup where they're doing 200 things especially early on if you look at uh, nick harry or nick Aramboulos' journey from nick Sox to nick harry style He started only doing socks before doing pocket until he figured some sort of business model out of that. Then he moved to uh, what you'd call uh, adjacent uh, product.
0: Vertical integration.
1: Vertical integration. So style pocket uh, squares complement your style with your socks, etc. You know, so you'd start with one focus, one thing that you do, then move out of that.
0: He didn't like go start a restaurant or something.
1: No, he didn't want to conquer the whole male style and accessory world. That's too big a pie.
0: As an entrepreneur and as a startup founder, this is probably one of my weaknesses because I have so many interests and clients in so many directions. It often takes quite a lot of discipline for me to rein myself in. And, um yeah, these conferences are, can be quite worth the time and the and the resources you put into going into them, and you certainly seem to have benefited
1: oh no, I, I benefited, and I thought more people would benefit if you just uh, summarized what he spoke about, and lastly, he talked about uh, how mentors are imperative, that you need people to guide you, but you need the right people for the right role, so you might need a finance manager type person who can mentor you in the finance side, etc. And he says they're hard to come by, which is true, and he never had one.
0: Oh, okay. So what, he'd be, what, an outlier, an anomaly to the, <laughs> to the system?
1: Well, his father used to have a cafe. You know, the whole Greek culture, which he alluded to in his presentation, where most Greeks had shops in South Africa, etc. His father had a shop. So I guess indirectly, without realizing it, his father was his mentor
0: certainly did have a mentor listen we'd love to hear from you were you at Tech for Africa is there anything you picked up from there that we haven't covered did you attend this this talk and perhaps uh, benefit from anything that Nick Harry had to say and you'd like to share it with us please do Uh, we'd love to hear from you give us a shout on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash African Tech Roundup or hit us up on Twitter using the handle at African Roundup using the hashtag ATRU. Once again, we're
1: happy to remind you of all the cool things the team here at the African Tech Roundup will be up to in the next few weeks and months that you can look forward to having us share with you. Uh, I myself will be speaking and facilitating a discussion at the Tabombeki African Leadership Institute's Alumni Leadership Conference on the 16th and 17th of October. Our content producer, Peter Peel, is flying out all the way to Dubai for Tech's uh, Technology Week next week, and he'll be bringing us extensive coverage live and direct from Dubai in the Emirates.
0: Now, I'll be speaking at the U.S. Embassy in Arares Food for Thought series on Tuesday, November 10th, and our technical producer, Brian Lupia, a.k.a. Music Kid, will be hosting a night with Music Kid, uh, the John Legend edition, at Trump's Grill House on Nelson Mandela Square on the evening of Saturday, 28th of November. And of course, a brand new season of the African Tech Conversation series will be out first Wednesday in November. All you have to do is keep it locked right here, or even better, subscribe on africantechroundup.com so you don't miss a thing. Uh, Otherwise, uh, that's it for now. I'm away again next week, would you believe? But, therefore, we'll be here with another awesome guest to stand in for me, which is good news. Uh, so, until next week, it's cheers from me, Andile Masogo, and.
1: Defo Mohapi.
0: Take it easy, everybody.
1: Cheers, guys.